0: Purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Wow, the pressure is on. I might have to say something. I can't wait to hear what I have to say. I hope it's good. My name is Russell Spatz. I'm an alcoholic. I'm a member of the South Dixie Group, and I haven't found enough to have a drink, nor have I, since January 25th, 1981. It's a privilege to be here. This is the uh, second talk in a step series. Uh, My sponsor... Said to me when I first came in here, my first sponsor. He said, "He said you got to lower your expectations on people. You you expect too much." I said, "So some of you guys are expecting me to talk about the second step. Don't be doing that. Don't be." doing that. I'm going to talk about whatever I'm going to. You know, my, Ray O'Keefe, one of my mentors. You say, you know how people say, you, "You get what you need, you get what you get. You're going to get what you get. Whatever this at these prices, don't expect shit." You know. And uh, now I I don't want to get anybody upset you know, and there's no need for you to get upset at the stuff I'll say, I, I'm, I, I might say something that might upset you, you know, but uh, it would be stupid, really, I, I don't mean to upset people, it's just something that happens whenever I open my mouth, but um, it's a natural thing, it's not my fault, uh, and it's stupid to get upset about what I say, because you'll, be in the, you'll get all upset, I'll be in the car, I'll say, why did I say that shit, I'll change my mind, or something like that, and, I'm just going to, we're just going to burn an hour, hopefully nobody will drink during the hour, and that'll be it, and I'll fulfill my responsibility, and we'll go from there, and we'll do this thing. So I haven't found a to have a drink since, I said, January 25th, 1981, I'm in my 41st year, second year, I don't know, I'm, I'm up there somewhere, you know, I've been rocking the fourth dementia of uh, whatever it is, you know, and, yeah. My wife is convinced, I, I think I finally hit emotional sobriety, but she said, I'm just senile. I, she actually tested me. Some of you guys know this. This is not a story. You know, our stories disclose a general way what we used to be like, what, happened, what we like now. And I, I, like, I always like to tell the stories because you come in here and you don't really have a story. You know, it's not my fault. I'm not to blame. You don't understand or, you know, whatever that is. And, and then uh, you're very well defended. People can't tell you anything, you know, and, you know, and. Eventually, you're sitting in the audience, you hear some guy talk, and you say to yourself, man, that guy is fucking crazy, and all of a sudden, you say, shit, I was doing that last week, you know, and all of a sudden, you started getting the story, and say, man, I did that, you know, I did that when I was drinking, I did that before I was drinking, and you start getting a story about yourself, you start learning about yourself, and 1 Corinthians 13, which is one of the books, uh, the founders suggest you read, although you won't hear about that in any meetings, because they're all prejudiced against religion and shit. You know, even though it says we have no prejudice, we lose it, against organized religion. But in Dr. Baum, good old time, it said the books we found absolutely essential, absolutely essential. Well, 1 Corinthians 13, Sermon on the Mount, the Book of James, and in 1 Corinthians 13, it says, it says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. When I became a man, I put childish things away. So I like talking about emotional sobriety. You probably won't talk a lot about drinking. You know, if you haven't figured out the drinking thing, just go out and drink until you figure it out. That's, that's my idea of how you do the first step. Drink until you figure it out. Don't waste any time. You know, don't come in here prematurely. My first sponsor said, never rob an alcoholic of his desperation. Every alcoholic has to have his last drink. You need to go out and get your last drink. See how it works. Yeah, you might die, but alcoholics are pretty much a dime a dozen. They're all over the place. It's common as dirt, you know, it ain't going to be any big deal. You know unfortunately hopefully you won't take somebody with you like this guy who was driving the corvette you know what i mean and killed these people and all that stuff so in any event uh so let's the, let's talk about this so um oh first of all i want to bill lombards bill see, I, I just blew your what's that your anonymity thing yeah i just uh, so forgive me for that um i'm not all actually broken up about it but i mean i, I met bill two years ago we've been on zoom together And he's one of my friends on Zoom. We've got a lot of people on Zoom that I've been hanging out with for about two years. And he came down from Jersey. I'm glad he's here. And I see Greg's here. It's good. And Justin's here. It's going to celebrate. I know so many people here. Because I've been doing this thing, Step Series, for about, you know, every year for the last 20 years or so, or 25 years here, or at the 12 Step Room or something like that. I think I do more Step Series up in Palm Beach or, uh, or West Palm Beach, Palm Beach, and... For Lauderdale than uh, than I do in Miami and uh, so I've been doing this for a while. So I it's a bunch of people I sponsor in, some grand sponsees, and it's good to see you guys and, and all that sort of stuff. And and a resentment I've had I mean I, I I just have to talk about this. It's not I I don't want to embarrass anybody, or hurt anybody, but I mean I think I just have to talk about this amongst my friends. A resentment I've had for close to 25 years, 25, 26 years, uh, has actually, I'm feeling a little bit better now. I've gotten rid of it. I've gotten rid of it because of Greg from Toronto, who's here. And I won't ask you to stand up, Greg, you know what I mean? Because quite frankly, I've gotten over my resentment against you, but you know, it's not. I don't want you to think like I like you or give a shit, you know what I mean? I'm not gonna give you any attention here, but 25 years ago, this is a true story, can make this shit out. 25 years ago, I was speaking at a convention in Toronto, and I was, I don't know, it was a Sunday morning speaker, whatever, there about a thousand people in the audience or something. What was that convention called, Greg? International convention. International something. Uh, Ontario Regional Conference. Ontario Regional Conference Convention. Right? I was speaking up there and, uh, in Canada, you know, to this group of people, and, and uh, I thought I was doing a pretty good job, I don't know, and they were all there, nobody left. They weren't throwing rocks or anything, and I was like in the middle and doing my thing, and it was like a thousand people. And, and the bottom, and and I, yeah, I spoke for like an hour, you know, or four hours. How many hours I spoke about? And uh, as I'm speaking to this group, and I'm, I'm getting towards the end, I'm mean, speaking for there's Like about two minutes left, some guy gets up and leaves. Some guy in the back of the room gets up and leaves. Now let me explain something to you. A regular person might not have noticed this, but when you're an alcoholic, you notice fucking shit like that. You notice shit like that, you know? That's one of the, by the way, that's one of the consequences of it. It says unless and until an alcoholic accepts his alcoholism and all its consequences. Remember that word? There are consequences of being an alcoholic. Drinking is bullshit, that's not even the problem. Drinking is not even a problem. If you're an alcoholic, drinks is not a problem. I mean, it's a problem for a while, and then you either die or go to jail for 20 or 30 years or, you know, or you come in here and you stop drinking. There's two rules in AA. You guys know the two rules, you know. Rule number one, in order to get here, you have to drink. You know that rule? You got to drink in order to get here. Rule number two, once you get here, you're supposed to stop. That's like the second rule. So, you know, drinking is not a big deal. Everybody stops drinking in AA. They all stop for 30 days, 60 days, 5 years, 10 years, you know. So that's not the big deal. But... The problem is that's just really a symptom of the disease. The real disease centers in your mind, not your body, and it has to do with the consequences of what it means to be an alcoholic without the booze. The booze is just a medication. It's just a handy medication. Blondes are, a medica- are the medication. Redheads are the medication. Corvettes are the medication. Money is the medication. Everything in this entire world, if you've ever said this word, if you ever said this statement, if only I had, that's the that's same thing as booze. If only, if you've ever woke up and said, if only I had more money, if only I lost 40 pounds, anything having to do with vanity, if only I had a new blouse, if only I had this, if only I had that, if I only had that thing that would change my life and, and turn me into something that wasn't the worthless piece of shit I am, I'd be okay. That's alcoholism. That's uh, you know. And uh, for me, women are what are women? It's a bottle of scotch with legs. You know, my sponsor told me that our first day meeting. He, I said, look at that blonde in the front row. He said, what did you use to drink? I said, scotch. He said, what kind? j b He says, see that gal? For you, that's a bottle of scotch with legs. And uh, the bottom line is, after you stop drinking, then you start dealing with all the other real stuff the consequences. There are consequences to being an alcoholic. And you start learning about the consequences. The way alcoholics learn about you start learning about how how incredibly how much of a slave you are and a whore you are to the things of this world. You think you think you can't stop drinking and that's your problem. You can't stop thinking. You can't stop every once in a while you can't stop telling yourself you're a worthless piece of shit because one of the things that you learn after about two or three years, four years or five years, however long it is, is that what Carl managers said, alcoholics are men, women who destroy out destroying themselves. That if you're an alcoholic, you have this intense feeling deep down inside of being worthless, not being sufficient, of having to always prove yourself or show off or have something, something other than you, who is a worthless piece of shit. Sometimes you actually say that to yourself. You'll be minding your own business, driving a car all of a sudden you hear this voice and says, you're an asshole. <laughs> such a fucking asshole. I'm such an asshole. I'm never gonna be okay. It's fucking bullshit, whole world, I'm a fucking asshole. And you turn around to see who's telling you that, and you're the only one in the car. And that's basically you, that's you telling you what you think about you. Now you can if you're a good alcoholic, you can figure out ways to distract yourself. Go get laid or something, or eat a girl or flirt, or turn on the TV, or you know, text, you know, or sex or whatever they do, these whatever you do, some turn on you know, listen to music, dance, do something. Travel, move, buy a house, buy a blouse, whatever it is, to some sort of somehow distract yourself. Spend money you don't have, to buy shit you don't need, to impress people you don't like and make yourself feel better, how about this, just gossip, just go up to somebody and sit down and say, you know that guy Frank's an asshole, yeah he is an asshole, just talk bad shit about other people behind their back and get somebody to have a conversation with you because somehow, some way, for a broken personality that feels like shit about themselves, when I can talk shit about you it makes me feel superior, Mm. makes me feel okay. And then you can spend the rest of your life hating people and thinking bad shit about everybody in the world. And you can do that. And you can say, if only I was okay or I had this, I'd be okay. And not even realizing that every time you say, if only I had this, I'd be okay, you're really telling yourself, I'm just not okay. And wondering why, even though you're not drinking, you feel like a piece of shit. So there are consequences to being an alcoholic and but it takes time to figure it out because, now how long did it take with the booze? I mean, I drank alcohol because no woman, no car, no, no amount of money ever worked just as fast as just a few drinks. And so I drank it. If, it. if it worked for you the way it worked for me when I was 18, 19, 20 years old, you'd be drinking it too. But it came to a point in my life, you know, uh, after 10, 15 years of drinking where alcohol stopped working for me, so I stopped drinking. it. And the sad part about my life is alcohol stopped working for me about 10 years before, before I realized it stopped working for me, I hurt a lot of people. I hurt myself, but I hurt a lot of people. And I didn't know, and so I came in here because I thought I had, I, how many people came in here because they couldn't stop drinking? I, you can raise your hand. And be 10%. 10% of people here came in here because they couldn't stop drinking, you know. The rest, you know, said, my life is so shit I have nothing else to do. I might as well get alcohols <laughs> and It's Boring, you know, and uh, so. You know, I couldn't stop drinking. I'd wake up in the morning and say, I'm not going to have a drink today. By 5 o'clock, I was drunk. I'd wake up in the morning and say, I'm not going to buy booze today. By 5 o'clock, I'm searching, searching for dimes, nickels, and quarters to buy half gal Donald of Carlos Rossi Cante and sit by. Back then, we had phonograph records <laughs> LPs, they called them. You don't know what they And I'd sit by the phonograph record and I'd uh, and I play the same song all, over and over again. You know on on an album but i'd have to keep on lifting the things off play the same one it was the one Alkie song on the album there's always you got to find those alky songs like only the lonely i miss the blue this i'm giving my age away but Matt, you know rainy days and mondays always get me down tuesdays wednesdays and fucking thursdays ain't that good either you know and uh running on empty you know i mean you just i mean all those songs Then I'd think about them gals, you know, the ones that ripped my heart out. The way they treated me. I'd be drinking. Then I'd think about my funeral. I'd be thinking about the funeral. Absolutely. I've lived a tragic life, and I'd I'd see all all them gals showed up at the funeral. Because when you're an alcoholic, you have a vivid fucking imagination. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you don't need to go to the bar anymore. You got all your fucking imaginary friends there. In the apartment. Yeah, you're laughing, Matty. You don't know what it's like, you know. You got all those fucking friends, and you're uh, you're drinking, and uh, and I and they were all crying. You know why they were crying? Don't you show them. Because of the way they fucking treated me. You know what I mean? I'd say, cry, bitch. You deserve it, you know. and I wasn't actually dead. I just want you to know, I was like hiding behind the tree. You know, but it was... Uh, because when you're an alcoholic and you're a drinker, you know that kind of shit happens. You know you do that kind of stuff. You know if you have the kind of alcoholism I had. And so in any event, I got off the point because I wanna. I really need to talk about what Greg did to me 25 years ago, <laughs> which I've never fucking forgotten. It was it seared my personality actually. You know it's one of these things. So I'm speaking at the convention and uh, and uh, and everybody has joined, I'm getting at the end and. This one guy, like I said, he walks out. Now, I'm looking, because one of the consequences of being an alcoholic is you are very aware, if you're an alcoholic, of every fucking thing that's going on around you. Because everything has to do with you. And you and you also have the ability to read minds. It is true. Because that guy, all the way in the back of the room of the auditorium, walked out and walked the door, and I said what the fuck did I say? <laughs> I'm telling you, I mean, you think it's funny, but I mean, he was probably, <laughs> his wife was probably giving birth to triplets, and he was supposed to, you know, who knows? I said, what the what the hell did I say? You know, I was like a little story. Who the hell does that? You know what I mean? And they're driving me to the airport, and they're telling me what a great talk it was, how great I was, and all I can think about is that <laughs> asshole, that ran, that walk, what the hell did I say? And, Greg shows up, and he says, you know, I don't even remember, I was at the International uh, Regional Convention 25 years ago when you spoke, and you changed my life, and I said, you're the asshole who walked out. You're the guy that walked out on me. I don't know who's the guy. He probably is, you know, but uh, that's the deal. That's the deal. So, uh, Okay, so, I I think I'm going to tell, I want to tell you about the, the You guys, guys, well, some of you guys heard about the Alky dog. I think I'm going to tell this group about the Alky dog. You know, I think I'm going to tell this group. You know, we should have. You're allowed to have some fun in AA, aren't you? Yeah, I. You don't really want to know about the steps, right? Let me just tell you about the Alky dog. That stuff. And uh, so I was driving down the street, you see, and I, I see this guy sitting in his front yard. He's got a sign. Talking dog, ten dollars. So I stopped the car, you know, I got out of the car and I said, You got a sign, talking dog, $10. He says, Yeah. I said, You got a talking dog on sale for $10. He said, Yeah, absolutely. I said, Well, can I see him? He says, He's in the back. Go there and talk to him. He'll talk to you. He says, okay, he's in the back. So I walk around to the back and, um, you know, and, and there's a scruffy little mongrel in the back, you know, looks old as hell. And I walk up to him and I said, uh, you are talk? You the talking dog? He says, Yeah. <laughs> he says, You know. And uh, I said, I, I can't believe you're, you're talking. He says, Yeah, I've been talking ever since I was up. I said, It is amazing. I've never heard of a talking dog. He says, Yeah, I've been talking for 25 years now. You know. He says, uh, He says, I used to. Uh, uh, I, you know, I've never heard of you. Or anything. he says, Yeah, yeah. It, was, I, I, it hasn't really been public. He says I was um, I worked for the CIA for about ten years uh, in Moscow, and uh, my owner uh, was uh, was high up in the Politburo, and I used to go to all the meetings at uh, the Kremlin with him. And you know nobody suspected me of anything because I'm a dog, but I would listen to all the secret shit and everything like that. And I bring it back to my handler in the CIA, and I they debrief me, and I did that for ten years and. After about ten years, then my my owner died, and they brought me back. They repatriated me, brought me back to the states, and I actually retired from CIA. and I started working for Monsanto, in and in, uh, industrial espionage, and they take me over to Dow, and they take me over to DuPont, and I listened to all the all the all the all the uh, the deal, all the uh, you know the board meetings, and everything, and all the secrets and what they were doing, and and then they. Um, and, you know, then I'd go back to Monsanto and i tell them all the secrets. I did for about 10, 15 years. And then I retired, and, uh, you know, so now I, I'm retired. I don't do that stuff anymore. I says, this is, like, amazing. Do you want to make a movie? He says, yeah, they're, they're actually making a movie. They're writing a screenplay, and they're going to have a movie about me and all that sort of stuff. And he says, well, listen, you don't know me, but I have I have a house right down the street. I got, like, I got like seven grandkids, you know, and I got two dogs now, but, I mean, you'd love it over there, and I'm going to talk to your owner about it. You know, purchasing you. If that, he says, yeah, that's no problem. I'm happy. No problem. It doesn't matter to me. You know, so I I go up and I say to the guy. I said, uh, I mean, I was just talking to your dog there. He says, yeah. He says, uh, so uh, how much you want for him? He says, ten bucks, just like sign says. I said, ten bucks. Ten bucks for the talking dog. He says, yeah, ten bucks. He says, how can you sell, how can you sell a talking dog for ten dollars? He says. He's a fucking liar. He didn't He didn't do any of that shit. You know? I mean, just he treated me better in Toronto, you know. Nice. So one day, when I was uh, 31 years old, and I happened to be... Uh, all these consequences of alcoholism. Telling yourself... Well, what's that like, telling yourself all the time that you don't give a shit what people think about you? when you're thinking they're thinking bad shit about you. Is that what you do? You're worried about what you said and what you did and what they're thinking about you because you know they're all thinking about you and then you... What do you tell yourself? I don't really give a fuck what they think about me. Is that what you're saying? But of course, the truth is, your entire life, all you do is think about what other people are thinking about you. That's a shitty life, isn't it? That's gotta be shitty. It's gotta be shitty. But you were doing that when you were eight years old. You were doing that in fucking second grade. You were doing that in high school. Thinking about what people would think. You had a shitty life in high school. You had a shitty life. Your life has always been shit. You've been an alcoholic. Hey, you were probably an alcoholic before you started drinking. As a matter of fact, I'll bet you start. I believe one... I, I'll bet one of the reasons you like drinking is because you wouldn't. then you wouldn't think the shitty shit you thought. I'll bet you felt better drinking than sober. I'll bet sober you felt like shit. You probably worried about yourself and what people thought about you and keep on telling. What kind of life can you have when your whole life is if only this, if only that, you know, when you're chasing all you guys, when you're chasing gals all over the place. I was a lounge lizard. I wanted what she had. I was willing to to any length to get it too and i you know when you when you really have to go in out there and grab something or get something or have something to prove you're a man or you're okay or whatever it is and you don't really think you have a shitty life because your alcoholic life seems the only normal one to you because you've always thought the way you thought you don't know of any other way of thinking you think everybody else thinks like you do in one sense you know what i mean and so i mean that's just the way you think you can't separate the truth from the false your alcoholic life seems the only normal one and that's the way you think before you even started drinking, and then you were thinking that way while you were drinking, you know. And then you stop drinking, and here's the problem: you're still thinking that way. And so you get rid of the drinking, but you can't get rid of the thinking. It's still the if only and the yes butter, and I, you know, you don't understand her. It's still the same bullshit. It's still the same bullshit you were doing when you were ten years old, fifteen years old, twenty years old. Same. Crap. You know? Thinking about yourself all the time. 15,000 voices in your mind. All saying bad shit to you about yourself. Bad shit to you about your life. You know what I mean? And now, and you used to be able to drink that shit away. You know what I mean? You to used to be able to drink that shit away, and now you can't even drink that shit away. Now you got to go out and bankrupt yourself and spend the money and buying shit to prove to yourself you're not an asshole or you got to gossip about people, or you got to do all sorts of stupid shit, you know, and then you feel so lonely. You can't have a decent relationship with anybody because, you know, what are you going to talk to them about? You know, you're not going to talk to them about what's really going on because, you know, you're not going to tell your group what's really going on. You're not going to tell anybody what's really going on because then they, well, I mean, you're not going to tell, you know, not that you give a shit what they think about you, you know what I mean, but... You know, you got to hide all that shit. You can't even tell them anyway because you don't even know what the hell's going on. That's the real truth. The truth is you don't even know what's going on, so what are you going to tell them? You have no idea why you're so fucked up. You don't have a clue as to why you think the way you do. My sponsor said to me after I got sober, he says, why do you say the shit you say? Why do you do the stuff you do? Why do you think the way you think? So I said to him, I said, well, that's just my personality. I sort of like my personality. He says, Russell, your personality is killing you. I said, listen, I know, I understand about the drinking thing. I getting rid of the drinking, but how do you get rid of your personality? I mean, I've had my personality. says, You know, like my mother used to say, why can't you be like your brother Gary? How the fuck do you do that? You know what I mean? How, how do you do, how do you be like somebody else? And all of a sudden you read this book and it says, you got to have a psychic change. You got to be reborn, become a different human being. It says uh, that psychic change is a personality change where ideas, emotions, and attitudes that are the guiding forces of your life are shifted to one side and you become dominated by a whole new set of ideas, emotions, and attitudes. I mean, how do you make that switcheroo? Okay, big shot? I mean, you can stop drinking. How do you switcheroo from being a mental basket case? You know that? And how do you even know what the problem... How do you, it said the, I said the. what's right? He says selfish, self-centered. You're selfish and self-centered, and you're driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking. You step on toes of others. They retaliate seemingly without provocation. But you learn that you've done, made decisions in the past, selfish decisions in the past, that put you in a position to be hurt. So you're self-aware and right, but you usually don't think so. I asked my sponsor, what does that mean? He says, you don't give a shit about anybody except yourself. I said, I like the way they put it in the book better. You know, I don't like what you put it you know, and uh, and how do you do that when well, you don't think you're selfish? You think you're basically a good guy. You think you're basically a nice guy. And the book is telling you your real problem is your And you must, above everything, you must get rid of it. God makes, above everything, we must get rid of this substance. We must, or it kills us. That's the real disease. That's after you get rid of the the, the, the symptom, the drinking. That's after you get rid of the medication. Your real problem is you're selfish, you're self-centered, you're delusional, you can't... You know what delusional means? What it means is you have no idea what's really going on on the planet Earth. You see things, you think things, they're all wrong. They're all wrong. And so, and then it causes you to have... And then you have these emotions and these feelings. You want to get in touch with your feel. Your feelings are more important than anything in the world. All you want to do is talk to me about your feelings. You know, you want to find your inner child. You know, if you ever find him, slap the shit out of him and tell him to shut the fuck <laughs> up. You know? He's been getting you in trouble all, this, all your life, you know? And, you know? And they're all messed up by your feelings and you start thinking you're, you're making money or you got a girlfriend or whatever the hell, a boyfriend or whatever it is, or you and you start thinking you're okay because of all the stuff you have and, and you're, just a, it's, you're just waiting to lose it or get divorced or screw that up, you know? Because that's what alcoholics do. We just screw up the perfume. We get all the stuff together. Oh, why can't If I only had a home. If I only had a home, you know. All my friends have homes. Out of, you had a home. You got kicked out of it. Don't you remember? Oh, if I only had a girl. You had a girl. Oh, if I only had a car. You had a car. Oh, if I only had a job. You had a job. If I only had money. You had money. You know, if I only lost 50 pounds, you would lost 50 pounds.
0: It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper?
1: you couldn't you couldn't you couldn't keep something you couldn't keep a decent lifestyle if you wanted to. Cuz you're a goof. Like John Wayne says, life is tough and if you're stupid it's even tougher. You know what I mean? And you are a smart person who thinks you're smart and you're stupid. You do stupid shit and it's all self-destructive. And you have no idea what the hell I'm talking about. And so you get into this deal and so now you stop drinking. And you're insane. You're insane. We discussed this last week. You're insane because, well, the book says you're insane. Listen, the stuff I'm talking about now is stuff I've learned over 40 years based on my own personal experience with me. doesn't have to be with you. You could be the exception to the rule. You know, you could be the exception. It could be all wrong. I could be all wrong about this. You know, but I, you know, when a man with experience meets a man with money, the man with experience will walk away with the money. and The man with the money will walk away with an experience. I mean, you can tell me what you think, but I'll tell you what, all I can tell you is this, I've been in the jungle. You know, I'm married 40 years, raised four kids, seven grandkids, one more on the way, self-supporting through my own car. I, I, I've done the cancer twice, I've gone through the, the bullshit, the bankruptcies, the low money, the whole bullshit. I've done the life thing, you know what I mean? Not drinking, as an alcoholic, fucking crazy as a loon. You know what I mean? I know the deal, you understand? I've been there, done that, figured it out. You know what it says in the big book? I've read all the material, you know what I mean? I've hit the bottoms, I've been crushed. How we get a new perspective? By repeated humiliation and the final crushing of our self-sufficiency, self-sufficiency. That's how you figure this thing out. You get crushed 10,000 times over 10 years and then you're broke again for the 10 millionth time. You know what I mean? say, what is wrong with me? And all of a sudden, your sponsor says, well, you know, when you spend more money than you make, you go into debt. You say, shit, I didn't know that. (laughs) You know? You learn shit, you know what I mean? You just do, you think alcoholism is low, drinking is the least of your problems. You can't even spend money, or not spend money. You can't even, you can't do nothing in any type of normal, decent, healthy. Bill Wilson said the real problem with alcoholics is unhealthy dependencies. You are so dependent on every you are like a please love me a holic don't reject me a holic. how can I fit into the group aholic I'm so lonely you're an intentional aholic. you got so many holic things going on that you don't even know about it. And this is how you learn. You learn by going through life sober, getting the shit knocked out of you the highs, the lows, the highs you're up, you're down, you're up, you're down. You're up, you're done. That's like the first hour. You know what I mean? <laughs> you're sober, you know? goes on for 10 years. What's wrong with me, you know? You go to some doctor, you know? Doctor, I can't sleep. I'm worried. I'm anxious or whatever it is. He says, oh, yeah, yeah, I understand. He says, well, here. He's the doctor, so he's going to help you out because of everything he learned in medical school with big pharma. He, said, he says, here, take take two of these a day. Just suck on these, you'll be okay. You know? Oh, thank you very much, doctor. He must know he's a doctor, you know? And you see what he's? Let me tell you what. Let me translate what he just told you into Alki English. Show. What he's basically saying is, listen, I have no idea what the fuck is wrong with you, <laughs> but why don't you chew on this shit? So, I, chew on these things, so I can deal with somebody who has a real fucking problem. You know what I mean? Because you're like a goof, you know what I mean? This will calm your ass down. There ain't no pill that's going to give you integrity. That's going to turn you into a fucking thinking human being and a grown-up. The sixth step, you start doing the sixth step, which most people don't do. They don't do it. There ain't no six step. Let me tell you, the sixth step is the step that separates the men from the boys. You know what that means? You know what that means? Now listen, this is advanced i I'm giving you advanced a -A Shit. Like, I'll give you some, let me give you some advanced shit that you won't hear at meetings. The second step that says we've come to believe that a higher power will restore us to sanity, what it's really telling you is you're insane. Because only insane people have to be restored to sanity. Did you understand? But but you're an alcoholic, and you're defiant, and you're sensitive. Well, you're not sensitive. Great artists are sensitive. You're touching. So you can't say to an alcoholic, you're fucking insane. You're one dunk. Or like my sponsor used to say, "You know as much about life, for us as a dog knows about his father." Your sponsor his father. Uh, uh, your sponsor can say <laughs> something like that to you, and then you, you can get away with it, sort of. But you know, they don't tell you. You say you're an alcoholic, and so your power's over alcohol. Your life's unmanageable. You've gone through. You've gone through repeated humi- humiliations. The final crushing of your self-sufficiency. So you've become entirely ready have somebody or something outside yourself re- stop you from drinking. Entirely ready to stop drinking. You've become entirely ready to do that. Okay? You haven't put together the God thing yet, but you know you can't stop and your palace over it. And not everybody comes in a hey, is that like that. There's a step before the steps. The step before the steps, and we've read it says, if you want what we have, and you're willing to go to any length to get it, then you're ready to take certain steps. Does everybody understand how that's a step before the steps? There's, there's a prerequisite. You know, when I was going to college, if you wanted to take trigonometry, you'd have to take algebra first. If you wanted to take, you know, if you wanted to take calculus, you had to take, you know, you had to you had to take geometric algebra. You know, you, you had to do different things to get to different places. The prerequisite to taking the steps is if you want what we have, whatever you think we have, and you're willing to go to any length to get it, then you're ready to take certain steps. Not everybody comes here wants what we have. Some people want what they used to have you know there's a difference between wanting what we have and wanting what you had because if you want what you had then as soon as you get what you had you're gone the girl's back the guy's back the romance you got that things look good you get too well too fast you get the money back no need to hang around day a because you don't want what he had you don't want the god thing you don't want any. you don't even you want some you can't even see what we have. You can't even understand why people go there. I've got the money back. I'm doing okay, so you're gone. Because you don't want what we have, because you, you don't even have a we. There's nobody in here that has what you want, because you're cool. And this is a very uncool place to be. And what you want is to be hip-slick and cool, and that's the deal. And the bottom line is, if you're not knock and and you want to grow up and become a man, and grow the fuck up, you're going to have to make a choice between God and cool. Because uh, God is either everything or he's nothing. He's either, he's either everything or he's nothing. I mean, that's what it says in the big book. I'm just talk, quoting. All I'm doing is quoting scripture, you know. He's everything or he's nothing. By the way, AA's position is he's everything. In case you haven't figured it out, you know. And you know that, that thinking about God, you know utterly abandoning yourself to God. You understand that making a sincere decision for God Never apologizing for God, having a you know, life being a lot You know that having your life based on God. You know that making a decision for God, and that what they say, He'll give you everything you need if you stay close to Him and perform His work well. You understand what I'm saying? And His work is to help other people. You understand? You understand all that God crap where it says, "But we won't know You." Well, that's okay. But your real reliance has to be on God. You know, he will show you how to even create the fellowship you crave, the God fellowship you crave. You know, there's no middle of the road solution, half measure of value, nothing. You know, the great fact is this and nothing less. If you want to be rocketed in the fourth dimension of existence and experience much of heaven and lose all fear of people and of economic insecurity, the great fact is this and nothing less, that God has to become the central factor of your life. And be convinced that He lives in your heart and mind, which is in a day in a, in, a, in a way that's miraculous and doing for you what you can't do it for yourself, and changing you into a whole other human being. You understand that? That is totally uncool to the outside world. You understand you can't have it both. You it's half measures. You can't you can't love God. You can't have God and mam. You can't have you can't love God and cash. You can't love God and pussy. You can't love God, you gotta make a choice. You understand that if you go out there, and you start to, or even, how about this? Even in AA, you understand if you talk the way I talk, people are gonna turn you off. You know why? Because there's chapter two the agnostics. You know what the chapter agnostic says? The mere code of morals or better philosophy of life would help helped us, we've been fine a long time, but it never helped us, because we lack the power. We lack the power to be fucking adults. You don't have the power to be an adult. The truth, you can't handle the truth. You don't have the power to be a decent fucking human being. You will fuck this thing up all the time. Because all you give a shit about is yourself and nobody else. And you don't even understand that. You don't have the power. There is one who has all power. There is one. Not 51, not 2010. There's one. May you find him now. You know, that's there's one. That's you don't understand that. Do you understand that's AA? They read it at every meeting. Nobody fucking believes it. They all believe they can do half measures. Or You know, I mean, just don't be like Russell. He's fucking nuts. You know, <laughs> they're all worried about talking about God. HP. I got my HP. You know, anything but God, because anything to water it down so nobody thinks that you really believe this shit. How can I be an AA and so that nobody really knows I'm an A, or I don't sound crazy like Russell Spatz? The book says we never apologize for God, but whenever we talk about it, it, says, I'm sorry to mention the God thing. We apologize for him, because we're ashamed. Because the truth is, all we give a shit is about what other people think about us, even though we don't give a shit what other people think about us. And we know that other people, when we talk about God, they'll roll their eyes, or they'll laugh at us. And God forbid the worst thing that can happen to a person who's totally insufficient or feels insufficient is that people treat him like he's totally insufficient. We don't have an ego problem. We don't have any fucking ego. We have nothing. That was my problem. I was a nothing. I was always going to be a nothing. I was nothing but a nothing. I used to put something in my body and I became an almost. When When you're a nothing, almost is top of the fucking world. Top of the world. And we don't even understand this shit. We don't know any of this shit that I'm saying right now. And we sit in meetings and we say, listen to people. If anybody talks about God, I say, man, listen to this asshole. <laughs> you know? And we, we say things like I'm spiritual, not religious. To prove that we're better than religious people. We're better than those people. that we, we don't like people that go to church. Because you know something? They're holier than thou. They're self-righteous. And we become the most self-righteous pricks in the world. I'm spiritual, not religious. Really? Well, that's not the disease I have. I'm a a material son of a bitch. You take me out of these meetings, you take me away from my sponsor, you take me away from my Bible study, my church, whatever it is, and you know something? I turn into, give me that, if only this, if only that. I turn into a a selfish monster. You know, the one thing that this has given me has told me exactly, I've never forgotten who I was before God came into my life. If there's anything about me that is in any way attractive, maybe say, man, this guy's fucking nuts. But I'll tell you, how do you do that? How do you talk like that to people in an A room? I don't have the fucking balls to do that shit. And you don't have the balls to do that shit because you're a scared little boy and a little girl. Because all you do is give a shit about what other people think about you. You don't have the balls. And you'll never have the balls. Don't ever think... If you're worried about God and people think you know about God, and you don't make the choice for God, don't ever think you will ever get that promise that you'll lose fear of people and that economic insecurity. You will never, you will always be scared about what other people think because you want one is linked to the other. It says so in the Big Book. It says so. He says you want true independence from things. You got to be totally dependent upon God. The central fact of your life. This, but you'll make believe that it doesn't say any of that shit. You'll be saying stupid thing like, well, you work your program and I'll work my program. Like there's 16 different programs. Yeah, yeah, there's programs for people that want to do half measures and don't want to do this. It's like AA Life. It's been around for years. That's why, that's why the one thing that, so the one thing you know, and the second step is that you're insane. When I have a sponsee and I'm talking to him, and sometimes he'll be talking to me. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I can always tell when a is in trouble, he starts off by saying, I've been thinking. He says, I've been thinking, he says, whoa He says, no, I got no No, no, you're going to start talking about what you've been thinking about, right? He says, yeah, he says Listen, I'm a little scared because this disease may be contagious And I've been doing everything I can to avoid thinking And if I listen to what you've been thinking I may start thinking about it And I don't want to really catch this shit again You know what I mean? So let me do it. Let's do it this way, okay? You've got like two years, right? And you've been thinking, let me guess, you're going to tell me, you've been thinking about something and it's driving you crazy. He says, yeah, how'd you know? I said, I know. I understand that because you're fucking insane. You don't know you're insane. So anything you think about is going to drive you nuts, okay? Okay, so I got 41 years, 40 years, okay? I got 40 years, okay? You got two years and you're going nuts. So whose brain do you want to use on this? What do you think? I said, well, I think I'd rather use your brain. I said, hey, that's that's a smart deal. I think that's a, let's use my brain, you know. And so then I then we start then we can discuss sober things, you know, and not crazy shit, mm. not your problems because you don't even know what your problem is. You think you have problems, and you don't even have a problem. So, uh, so let's just hear some more advanced shit. You know, like, the sixth step is the step. Look it up. I'm not telling is the step that separates the men from the boys. The girls from the women. So what do you want to be? You want to be a man or you want to be a boy? You want to be a man or do you want to be a boy? Six step says that. You know what the sixth step says? This is advanced AA now. It says in AA, there are two groups of people. There are men and there are boys. There are women and there are girls. That's what it says. You understand that, don't you? Now, there are people here that says, I don't believe that at all. And the people that say, I don't believe that, they say that because they're thinking about it. And they're fucking delusional. Because they they have what's called magical thinking. You could tell them that God has to become the central factor of your life. Because that's what it says in the big book. And they'll say, that's not what it says. You can tell them you've got to lose prejudice against organized religion. We lose prejudice. You know, when I, if I hear one more guy put down the Catholic Church, and I'm not Catholic, I don't care. I mean, all we have is people in here who are wounded. The one thing I know about chapter of the agnostic says it says this sort of thinking must be Abandoned. I can always tell when somebody's not really sober when they start putting down religious people. When in the Big Book it says we encourage church membership, we encourage this, Most of us belong to such organizations. Bill Wilson did, Dr. Bob did, they all did, except for Bill, Jim Burrowell, who was an atheist. You know, which they say he got who was an atheist. By the way, AA takes the side takes the side of the deal that says atheism is bad, not good. Read Dr. Bob, the Good Old Timers. Read chapter to the agnostic read Doctor Bob and the good old timers. Read the last paragraph. you're an atheist or agnostic, have some other intellectual pride that keeps you from understanding this. I feel sorry for you. I pity you. Your heavenly father will never get let you down. How do you read shit like that? We lose prejudice against organized religion. Most of our best members are. How do you read that and actually come to the thinking, which is most days come to the thinking that agnosticism and atheism is okay. There is a difference between understanding that it's a spiritual kindergarten and that most people, you know, don't want to hear that. It's a difference between it's a spiritual kindergarten and think that that's okay at 10 fucking years or 15 or 20 years. That's not AA. It's something, it's something, but it's not AA. It's a pseudo AA. It's a kind of AA. It's an AA where you don't really want to do AA. I mean, you see, alcoholics are great. One of the consequences of being an alcoholic is when somebody says something to you that you don't like, it confuses you. You you make it go away. You just hate the person. You say he's stupid. Because if he's not stupid, if you can't make it go away, you might have to do it. And so you wander around, sober 10 years, picking up 10-year medallions, 15-year medallions, 20-year medallions, you know, on your fourth marriage... Feeling crappy about yourself, all sorts of crap going on, not understanding, and you're not happy with your sobriety. Here and then, once in a while, a former drinker will say, "Feel better, look better, having a better time." We, we laugh at such sort of Sal We know he'll try the old game again because he's not happy with his sobriety. Soon he will know loneliness as few do. I mean, there are there are consequences to words. You can't make believe words. You can't make believe that words do not do not exist, or they mean something other than they mean. Just so you don't have to do them. And nobody's, t- I, I know, I understand. I know, I'm, it sounds like I'm rough. I know you don't hear this shit today. I, mean, it's, I get it. It's okay, it won't kill you. You know? I mean, you're pretty much fucked. You understand that? <laughs> no, I mean, you are. You know, even the ones who hate me. Because you know you hate me, you know why you hate me? If you don't like me or you think it's bullshit, because you've been listening to me. So you're fucked. Because the problem is, unless you're constantly incapable of being honest with yourself, you may listen to me and you may reject everything I say, but you're gonna go out there and try to stay sober and one day on your when you're when you're coming back again for the fourteenth time or you feel like shit, you're gonna remember every fucking thing I say. Mm -hmm. Because the truth you can't handle the truth, and one day you're gonna say what people say i used to hate you but now i love you because the truth stands on its own and you know how you think and you know how you are and you know what's going on and the real men want to hear a message of weight and death not bullshit to make you feel good so you can go on with your stupid lives doing stupid shit over and over again and not being disciplined and not growing the hell up you know because this is this is something for grown-ups so you got a choice, the men or the boys, women or the girls, you know? That's why only one half to 1% stay sober over 20 years. You hang around here long enough, you see them drink it five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, see them start popping pills and Xanax and all that sort of shit, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, like this is some sort of like Valium deficiency deal, you know? You see you see them vaping and smaping and whatever the hell they're doing, you know, and just doing anything they can bankrupting themselves, ruining relationships, just, you know, they're not drinking, you know, and you're just doing all sorts of horrible things in your life, you know, because they can't arrest you. Hey, listen, you get away with bullshit for a long time. They can't arrest you for driving while being an asshole. You <laughs> mean, yeah, yeah, no, really. It's the drinking. So you come in here. If you're in here to only stop drinking, you will eventually drink. If you're not here to grow the hell up, you will eventually. And you will become, in the next five or ten years, the people you hang out with and listen to and the books you read. And the books you read will depend upon who you hang out with. It's as simple as that. So don't ever say, don't ever say that you never heard this shit. Don't ever make believe that you did AA and you did the whole thing and you're doing everything and it didn't work for you. If it doesn't work, because that's a lie. You'll be lying. You just, just tell them the truth. You came in day A and you didn't really do it. You just sat in the chair and you drank coffee and you know, had a good time. It was almost like sitting in the bar except instead of drinking scotch, drinking coffee and looking at the blonde in the front row or smoking cigarettes on the outside or doing what you did when you were drinking. Your alcohol life seems the only normal thing. You know, that's the deal. Now I understand I get it, I understand and you can call me on this that when they say in the big book we encourage these are the founders The founders. now listen to me, they say we encourage these are the founders Bob, Bob and Bill Wilson we encourage church membership but it's not obligatory I understand you could say well that's optional, you're absolutely right it's optional, let me ask you this think about this why do you think they put it in the big book? you need to think about that why do you think it's optional why do you think we, they put in the big book we encourage church membership why do you think they put in the big book rarely ever seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path their path you want to read what the path is we talked about the good old times. the, the books they found absolutely essential 1st Corinthians 13, Sermon on the Mount the book of James you want to know what their path was most of them belong to religious organizations why do you think they put it in the big book because that's what they did. Do you want what they had? Do you really want to do this thing thoroughly? Or do you want to do half measures? So here's the deal. There's a lot of extra credit in the big book. There's a lot of stuff about sponsoring. There's, there's, you, you, can, you can sponsor people or you can not sponsor people. You can be sponsored and have a serious relationship with a sponsor. And who you sponsor, you know, who sponsors you is going to have a lot to do with what you become. You can either do that or not do that. You can get involved in service or not get involved in service. You can do this any way you want. Let me tell you something. It's just like the Olympics. The prize goes to the guy who's doing the extra credit. Things didn't rocket for me until I got involved in doing the shit. that. Listen, to get the shit that most people will... To to get the, the things in your life and the change in your life that most people will never experience, you need to be prepared to do shit that most people will never do. To do the stuff and this thing. To be rocketed in the fourth dimension of existence. To lose fear of people and of economic security. To get the promises. You better be prepared to do the shit that most people are laughing at. Or mocking. Or rolling their eyes at. Because they don't want to do it. And you know why they don't want to do it? Because it says it in chapter of the agnostic. Because as soon as we mention God. The hackles in the net stand up. Because alcoholics, a consequence of being an alcoholic is a consequence of the disease of alcoholism is you hate the idea of God. I don't give a shit whether it's because, you know, you didn't like some Catholic priest or your pants pushed it on you or you would with some legalist that said, you know, I mean, I don't give a shit why you hate organized. But the bottom line is, is that alcoholics hate the idea of the God thing. It says in the big book, it says, as soon as we mention God, they hate it. That's a sign, that's a symptom, that's a sign That's a consequence of the disease That's not a consequence of being That's not a sign of being well That's The more you hate the idea of God And hate people that talk about God The more it proves how sick you are And that you're not emotionally sober You do understand that In the big book When they talk about people that hate God And have antipathy to God They're talking about people that are not sober That are not well And there's more of them in AA than there are more people that make God the central factor of life. That's just a fact of life. You know? You Day means, what do you think the percentage is? Think it's 70-30? 80-20? 90-10? How many people do you think are, you know, into that deal? I don't know, 95-5%. I have my own ideas about that because I've been around for a while. How many people are willing to go down this road and listen to this stuff? The interesting thing I find, and this is just something I'm going to find to close it out because I went a little bit over, is uh, I used to do that in the bar. I used to, I'd still be married to my first wife if I get home on time. <laughs> I used to go a little bit over with the drinking. Like I'd walk in at four, th- I'd walk in at four thirty in the afternoon, and I and I'd walk out at four thirty in the morning. I could be in a bar for 12 hours, without, without any question. But after I got sober, you'd be surprised how incredibly sharp I got at realizing when a guy is talking more than three minutes over to me. Really, uh, that's when I got really responsible, you know what I mean? The guy's been talking about God for an hour, I'm getting the fuck out of here, you know what I mean? I got things to do in my life, you know? You know? I'm just messing with you, you know? By the way, if you're disturbed, remember the spiritual axiom. Whenever you're disturbed, no matter what the cause is, there's something wrong with you. So figure that out. I'm like giving you a spiritual MRI, you know. (laughs) That's the deal. So, I don't know. I'm not going to keep you any longer. God bless you guys.